Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Unregulated Podcast. This is episode number 62, coming to you from the AEA Studios on December 15th, 2021, 15, 11 days until the birth of, until we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I am your co-host, Tom Pyle. And I'm your sous chef, Mike McKenna. And neither of us can hold a candle to Jesus Christ, but we're going to do our best to give you a damn good hour of the Unregulated Podcast. True. We don't know what kind of podcaster you'd be, right? <laughs> All right. Um, I want to start with... Wait a minute. Can I start by something real you quick? Can. I'm Absolutely. sorry. I didn't mean to jump you there. Um, I want to thank um, our listeners who were kind enough to share some time with me on Friday, uh, uh, Christine and Mike and Jeff and Jeff and Andy and Peter. Um, and for all the constructive feedback they gave us on the program. Yes, so I will do you. my best to keep my mouth as close to the microphone <laughs> as humanly possible. Sorry, I, I have a little bit of the running around part of the show to deal with. If we're doing uh, shout outs and whatnot. Yeah, I um, think we should. I'd like to do a quick shout out to my sister, Pia. Sure. For keeping it together at Bob Dole's funeral. She uh, spoke, gave the first reading, uh, and she was followed by that great orator, President Joe Biden, oh, she held it together. I'm, I'm real proud of her. She did a good job. Also, um, I'd like to shout out, uh, give a shout out to my mother as well. Um, I found out yesterday that she's taking critical and important steps to getting herself back to improving her mobility and hence her health. So thank you very much for that, Mom. Appreciate do, it. Do they listen to the podcast? She does. She does. Does Pia? Occasionally. Does so, Pia? Yeah, occasionally. Oh, good. So. Um, and I will uh, also say that I have been remiss to bring this up, but I do want to say that we here at AEA were saddened to hear that our uh, IER former board member, Rick Stroop, uh, who's been a longtime friend, uh, personal friend, uh, and a friend of the free market uh, environment movement, um, Rick Stroop passed away in mid-November. Uh, Rick spent a good part of his career teaching economics. Um, he'll be remembered as one of the originators of free market environmentalism, been a longtime supporter of ours, uh, had a, a, a tremendous impact uh, on students of economics, including our producer, um, and our condolences go out to his friends, family, colleagues, particularly his wife, Jane. So thank you, Rick, for being on our board and, and for all you've done for the movement. Amen. Okay. Uh, I want to I do a segment called Defining a Win in Washington. All right. So the first, the first, uh, the first example of defining a win in Washington. This is from our friend Ari at Bloomberg, Ari Natter. U.S. Energy Secretary says an oil export ban is not in the works. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. So apparently the um, Petroleum National Petroleum Council met. At uh, the Department of Energy the other day, where this is the all seven thousand of them. Yeah, this is the sort of informal industry confab quasi government deal, and um, she went. Uh, she made it clear that uh, that a crude export ban is not under consideration, and wanted to assure them that the administration was quote not a boogeyman. I don't want to fight with any of you, Granholm told the National Petroleum Council. I do think there's much more productive, it's much more productive to work together on future facing solutions. I heard you loud and clear, 
So has the White House. Okay. So <laughs> what do I mean by a win in Washington, right? A, a win in Washington is often defined as, in, in most cases, us not getting screwed by the administration or some policy action or or threatening to to tighten the screws on a, on said policy action and then retracting it back and then everybody around town runs around and, and takes this this tremendous victory lap like they did something crucial critical and important and the administration is reaching out with the with the with the olive branch <laughs> how often how often does this happen in our world? How long have you been in this town? And and Always. how many victory laps yes. has the K Street crowd been taking on this particular one? My favorite, my favorite one is the you know, people are people are suckers. I, um, the administration gets credit for not um, stopping the you know not banning the export of crude oil, which is which is insane, right? Um, and like you say, everybody else is like, "Wee We want a huge victory. We maintain the status quo." Chris Horner, who um, who struggles with the English language as much as anybody I know, um, in a moment of clarity, once said that lobbyists are people whose business it is to um, achieve the second worst outcome, so they can go back to their bosses and say, "Hey, I avoided the worst outcome." Yeah. So meanwhile, this is what's going on over at DOE. <laughs> oh my God. That is hilarious. <laughs> right. I, okay. So second win in Washington, defining a win in Washington. Apparently, Senator Carper has reached common ground with Senator Manchin on the yeah, methane on the tax. Methane thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so there will be a methane tax in Build Back Better if it ever gets over the finish line. Mm, yeah. However, it's been significantly adjusted so that certain considerations can be taken. And also maybe possibly if you said, you know, industry, um, corporation, pipeline, what what have you, happen to be complying with the unnecessary, burdensome, duplicative methane rule that the Biden administration ten, uh, intends to promulgate then you may not be subject to the fee quote tax, right? And we're back we're back to Chris Horner, right? Yeah. So we, we, there's another win. The second the second worst outcome has been achieved. Yay. Yeah. So and this is chronic, right? This is chronic. It's great. Come on, man. It's great. Okay. I got that off my chest. You feel better? I feel better. Good. These are not victories, ladies and gentlemen. They're they are capitulation, <laughs> surrender. <laughs> they, they, it's the fact that you could get outmaneuvered by Secretary um, Canada there <laughs> is is ridiculous. Right? So I have a friend who, uh, for the longest time, good dem good old Blue Dog Democrat, for the longest time ran the Cattlemen's Association. Um, Chandler Chandler Van Orman Chandler Keys Keys. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. And one of my favorite lines from Chandler was, ah, "It's so much easier when the Democrats are in charge." It's like. When the Republicans are in charge, my members want us to actually move forward and get stuff done. <laughs> but when the Dems are in charge, all I got to do is stop them from screwing us really badly, and I get, like, rewarded for we it. Are. Well, Annette, can, can you stand two detours? I know we're on a clock, but let me give you two real yeah, quick sure. detours. Yeah, sure. Fire away. Yeah. So 
at the top of every Democratic administration, everybody I know always wants to hire Democratic lobbyists, and they do. And then what they find out after the first year is the Democratic lobbyists, most of them in town, their job is to sit in these meetings and look at look at their um, customers and say, yeah, so you're going to get screwed and we're just trying to figure out like to what extent, right? Not that not that I'm going to prevent it. I'm just going to I'm going to let you know the extent to which you're going to yeah. get hosed. And that's that's how it is, right? The other thing I wanted to mention while you're on this is anytime a Republican um um anytime a Republican running for office says that they want to hold the line, vote against that person. I think this came up in earlier conversations. Yeah, we have we've discussed that. I just that. wanted to, just also, want to clear, clear the barn. Let's let's watch out for clear, clear the, the barn. barn. Oh yeah, I'd forgotten about yes, clear the clear barn. Clear the barn. Clear yes. the barn means agree to everything the Democrats have on their legislative docket before the Republicans take over. Yes, in a lame duck session. Yes. Sorry. So, Thank you. Don't forget. A good warning. All right. <laughs> All right. I want to move on to the um, the. Once temporary, now somewhat baked in the cake issue known as inflation. Yeah. I want to kick it off with a clip from CNBC. Here it is. Our November read on producer price index up eight tenths of one percent, up eight tenths of one percent. That's hotter than expected. If you remove food, energy, and trade, it is up seven tenths also hotter than expected. And if you just remove food and energy, it's up seven tenths. So food and energy, seven tenths, food, energy, and trade up seven tenths. Now, the year over year numbers up 9.6 on headline producer price index. That is a new record. And if we look at X food and energy year over year up 7.7, also a new record. And remember, these go back to 2010 on the year over year because they re calculate a little differently so that's the most recent comp and if we look at year over year x food energy and trade up 6.9 percent another record so all the numbers are hotter than expected and of course we should expect this to happen we know transitory has been retired we knew the consumer price index that we had last week was hot as well but yet we continue to see the long duration, the long maturities, 10s, 20s, 30-year on the Treasury side, well, the rates aren't as responsive as one would think. They're highly in negative territory in terms of inflation, but we do see the yield curve remaining very flat. We see the shorter maturities very responsive this week because we have the Fed meeting, and most likely the taper is going to be quickened and rates will rise quicker, and I think that's why the curve has been acting the way it has. Joe? All right. So bullet points. Wholesale prices rose 9.6% from a year ago, highest level going back to November 2010. The pace was even faster than the estimate, which was 9.2%. And the core PPI producer price index increased at a 6.9% pace, a bit slower than estimates, but still the fastest ever in records dating to August 2014. This clip goes on. And they get into some of the um, comparisons to the bad old days of President Carter mm -hmm. um, and and point to the, the problems. And by the way, the problem ain't the pandemic alone. The problem is a lot of the money that is flooded yeah, into say. the economy by this president and the previous president. Yeah. President, 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 you know. 
team has been trying to tell everybody it's supply chain problem. The reality of it is, is um, there has been no net growth in the economy now in three years, right? And we can, we can, you can sort of put that however you want to. You can think about that however you want to, but there's been no wealth creation, no net growth in the economy at all in three years. But we've expanded monetary supply on the fiscal side by $6 trillion and on the monetary side by nine, $10, 12000000000000 trillion. We've devalued the currency is the bottom line, right? That's what inflation is. It's a devaluation of the currency. Um, the 9.6 producer price index, right, that, that's an enormous number because that means it's embedded in the – it's embedded in both the economy and more importantly in people's expectations. This thing's going to go on for five or six years. This is not going to be a quick fix. And let and me it is, when we, we were chatting about this yesterday, yeah. which is why I brought this up, yeah. and, and it was jarring to me yeah. when we were talking about it because we have gotten so uh, basically numbed by the. I'm 50 years old. This was around when I was in my single digits. Yeah. And I wasn't impacted in any way, shape, or form by it. Other than the fact that we did, we had hard times. Sure, man. We had hard times. We were talking about yesterday with a, with with my with my uh, one of our staff of the kind of food we ate. It, sure, you know, a lot of beans, the, a lot of hot dogs, <laughs> right? I mean, things were really mortgages sure. were insane. Sure, it, you know, it, inflation in the seventies and eighties destroyed. It did there did its part to destroy three different presidencies, right? Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, and Jimmy Carter. In the late seventies, it was especially bad, and um, you know only only the the terrible, the vicious, the really vicious recession of eighty one, eighty two, um, got us out of it, right? Because Paul Volcker did what he needed to do, and President Reagan did what he needed to do. Um, this thing's baked into the cake. It's going to be four or five, six years because this money hasn't really even started to flow into the economy yet. Part of this built on expectations. I'm super concerned about it. Um, the other thing that kind of concerns me about it is that if you look inside the numbers a little bit, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, which does the Consumer Price Index, Producer Price Index, they're underestimating housing prices, right? They estimate um, that housing prices increased 3.8% um, year over year. Yeah, here's the problem with that, right? Case-Shiller Index, which is the residential price um, index, right, that everybody relies on, um, their number for the same 12 months is 19.5%. And Apartment Guide has the same um, uh, rough number for apartment rents, right? So long story short is, and by the way, housing is a huge chunk of the CPI basket. It's about a third of the basket. So um, it's conceivable that inflation is getting underestimated. The CPI is getting underestimated by five percentage mm -hmm. points, right? When you do the math on it, which means instead of instead of seven points, we could be looking. We could already be living in twelve percent inflation. Okay, wage gains for last year, last twelve months, been about three point eight percent. Good wage gains, right? But no, swamped, we're catching up, right? swamped by inflation. I don't know what the so average I, capital I, gains is. I don't know what uh, you what you. I don't know. How you could not call this a violation of the tax pledge, <laughs> but it's not—it's not his fault. I know. So it's not going to increase inflation; it'll diminish inflation. It has a negative impact on inflation. Not a, it doesn't raise inflation, but that's hard for people to think about right now because inflation is up, and there's a direct correlation in most people's mind. Well, why is inflation? Well, government spending money. Well, that's not the reason for the inflation. The reason for the inflation is that we have a supply chain problem that is really severe, 
and it's causing a significant increase in prices. But it's not going to increase inflation. It'll diminish inflation. That's that's um, uh, the, okay. He's as good an economist as, as he was a senator. It's not as bad as you think. Yeah, I. It's not our fault. This is the pattern of this administration for everything. And and uh, here is another example of this. Yeah. Go ahead. Um, there are several progressive groups and lawmakers who are uh, increasingly vocalizing the idea that inflation, high inflation, is being driven by corporate greed, uh, including uh, companies with high profits, some of whom have met at the White House with the president uh, in recent months. Um, does the president endorse that idea? Does he think that corporate greed is the big driver of inflation right now? I think that the president thinks the way people across the country, American families, uh, digest inflation is by price increases. And if you look at industry to industry, it's a little different. So, for example, the president, the secretary of agriculture have both spoken to what we've seen as the greed of meat conglomerates. That is an area <laughs> where people go to the grocery store and they're trying to buy a pound of meat, two pounds of meat, 10 pounds of meat. Um, it is the prices are higher. That is, in his view. Uh, and the view of our Secretary of Agriculture because of, you could call it corporate greed, sure. You could call it uh, jacking up prices uh, uh, it, during a pandemic. The greedy the meat, meat conglomerates. <laughs> you know, okay. And she's not alone in this, okay, by the way. Before we, fin before we finish making fun of her, let's just, the sec uh, 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 Press Secretary Sasaki. Circle back. Let, let's just point out that the single most important input into agriculture other than land energy is energy and fertilizer prices it, which are is through the roof why because natural gas prices are high i was gonna say why because people decided that they didn't have to stock up for natural gas in europe because there would never ever be a problem it, with the green it, new deal it 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 you can think what you want about energy prices, but some of it's psychological, and this administration is responsible for it. That's the first time I ever heard meat conglomerates. No, no, no. greedy, greedy meat, meat conglomerates. conglomerates. Okay, here's <laughs> you know, not to outdo. We, we should all back. we should all get out of this business because it's full of terrible people. Not to outdo circle back, uh, our beloved Senator Warren, who by the way is in a uh, Twitter war now with Elon Musk. Um, Quote, families are rightly upset that the price of meat has gone through the roof. Who's to blame? Meat packing monopolies that are using inflation as cover to raise prices and make record profits. Keep. I'm fighting for stronger antitrust enforcement to lower prices. Do you, do you think I should point out to Senator Warren, who is herself a lawyer, a, a very successful oil industry lawyer, by the way, that you can't have meatpacking monopolies. If you're going to have a meatpacking thing, it's got to be a single monopoly because meatpacking is a single thing. I, I, it, okay, fine. You want to get technical. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. These people are like Twitter. Yep. Is mind-numbingly, it's 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 making a stupid. It's making politics even more mind-numbingly unbearable than it was before the advent of this said social media it's, platform. It's making a stupider. Oh man! So anyway, um, yeah, I just I wanted to bring this up because you know, like I said, you yesterday you kind of shocked me a little bit because this is gonna, this is a real deal. Yeah, the six trillion deal. Yeah, the six trillion dollars have been appropriated. You, you know, everybody who's been in the government knows what I'm about to say, but um, it takes the bureaucracy a long time to absorb that kind of money. You were talking about the equivalent of um, almost three full years of discretionary funding on the domestic side. Um, 
you can't it's going to take them probably two or three years to spend all of this six trillion dollars so the inflation's kind of baked in and it's going to keep going for a while it's going to be a huge challenge for the next republican who gets to office right they're going to have no choice but right. to try to turn some of this money off right um and that's going to be unpopular yep. and difficult so so when you think about who you're going to support in 2024 Think about somebody who can do unpopular and difficult things, uh, and who wants to cut as opposed to spend, and who doesn't. Who's willing debt? Who, who's willing to go into the American so, Rescue Plan, the Infrastructure Plan, Build Back Better, and reel some and, of it who's back willing in? Willing to burn their reconciliation on tr trimming the hell out of all this. Correct, stuff. because this this thing is going to go through, and of course, the Democrats are uh, you know lying about the CBO uh, estimates. Right. Oh, no, it's not going to cost. Well, Circleback said that, that just basically discredited CBO and said they're fake well, news. Well, okay, two things about that real quick. One is nobody wins a war with CBO on legislative scoring because they're the ones who – they're literally the only guys in the world who do it, right? Um, the second thing is the other data point you want to have in your head is – um, you score it out for 10 years, it's $4.6 trillion. It's not $1.75, it's $4.6 trillion. So that's um, that's a pretty considerable distance. So when they come out with whatever they come out next year and say, we've come to a deal and it's only going to cost you guys X number, you probably want to multi multiply X number by two and a half. Keep in mind that um, there's on record ad nauseum there's on record all these folks are talking about how they want this child credit to be sure. made permanent, yeah. permanent, 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 permanent. Sure. The speaker, the majority leader, all of them. Senator yeah. Senator Karen, as as Elon Musk now calls Senator Warren. Uh, you know, these folks are all on record saying this is a yeah, yeah. AOC started it. Remember, saying the quiet part out loud. Yeah. Get it in, lock it in, and it's never going away because no one's gonna. No one is gonna like want to not have that money flowing into their checkbook every month. Yeah, so. I, I think I think they're wrong. Two things. I th one, I think they're wrong, and two, I'm not certain how I feel about having Elon Musk on my side on some of this stuff. I know stuff. It's, really, it's, it's really, really it's, bothering. It's, I'm really struggling with it. It's kind of it's kind of like a. But it is actually pretty funny because uh, he be became the person of the year. I don't know. If you I know. Saw I saw that. that time thing. Yeah. So, which how the hell does he rate? So, so, <laughs> So she tweeted that um, now it's time to to tax the person of the year because he's been on the dole or whatever, right? And like, welcome to our she party. She supported all the EVs. I, I she supports say. all the subsidization I, of his very product, right? It, like, I, I haven't seen her. And where is she on salt, by the way? I, I, oh, she's been pretty quiet I, on I'm that. Sure, one. she's in favor of of lifting the cap because she she right. represents Massachusetts, right, Boston. As I, long as there are no greedy meat monopolies, meat packing monopolies, I have to I have to be honest. If I was Elon Musk, I would seriously think about buying like Cargill now just to have fun with her. <laughs> <laughs> I would even just float it out there, like, hey, I'm going to buy a meat packer now. Yeah, apparently he's now become the Trump on Twitter. Good for him. Good for him. I'm glad he's got extra time on his hands. So there's a little section I want to call, what did he just say? Here's the first one. Now we look at 2022. I want to tell my Republican friends, get ready, pal. You're going in for a problem. And we need to stay unified. All right. So <laughs> let, me, let me interpret that for you. I want to tell my Republican friends, get ready, pal. You're going to end for a problem. 
you could tell the crowd was like, do we clap? <laughs> do we call an ambulance? <laughs> what do we rally. do here? <laughs> it was a rally. It was a rally. All right, here's one more. You can guess who it is. Speaking of the cost of living, two weeks ago, I announced the largest ever release of the U.S. Strategic Petroleum Reserve to increase the supply of oil to help bring down prices. I met with our friends around the world. Other countries joined us. And those savings are starting to reach drivers. Now, today, the average price you're paying here in Kansas City is below $2 a gallon, or $3 a gallon. It's down to $2.90 a gallon, 20% down from since we're, from a month ago. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> okay, it's down to something. I want to – today, the average price you're paying here in Kansas City is below $2 a gallon. Two, a three, a guh. It's down to two ninety a gallon, twenty percent down from cents from oh a month ago. Just making sure everyone understood the yeah, translation. It's one of those things you just say amen to and like amen. Pass okay. the gravy. All right. On a more serious note. <laughs> on a serious note. On a on a, <laughs> on a serious, this is our president. Yeah, well, my president's Charlton Heston, but go on ahead. And uh, there was lots of there was lots of reaffirmation. This week that he intends to run for re-election. Yeah, he's not going to run for re-election. I mean, it, the White House like making noise about that, but they're just trying to keep him from being a lame duck, right? Of which, course. which he already is. I don't know a single. Do you know anybody who thinks he's going to run? Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't either. Right? No, not even Democrat. The no, few Democrat friends. No, I have nobody think thinks he's going to run again. Right. It, it. So, so uh, Brett Stevens wrote in the New York Times this morning, right? A columnist for the New York Times. The uh, the House conservative for the on the on the plantation there, and um, and um, he wrote that hey, uh, the president should just rip off the bandaid and announce he's not running again because it would help him. He could be more statesmanlike. And two things about that: one is there's nothing better than when guys who have never done this, um, of course, give advice on like right, what right, people right, should do because right, you're right. just like, hey, Brett, I appreciate that, but. You probably need to like work some of these jobs before you actually like start yapping about it. it it's it's kind of like when they said, "Oh, the 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 Kamala Buttigieg ticket would be a dream." Well, ticket, that's funny because right? that's what Stevens points out. He's a, he says there are guys in the cabinet who could start running. You know, and he, <laughs> he has Buttigieg down there. I'm like, Buttigieg is in the middle of what's arguably the worst transportation disaster in American history. He's not going to run for anything. He's going to he owns the supply chain thing. Anyway. It would be like me hovering over a welder saying, hey, you missed a spot. It would be it, – it, it, I would normally believe you, but in this day and age, um, I don't think that's a liability. It's a, Trust me. Your record is ultimately a liability. It, the, the, he doesn't have a record. The only, way, the only way a guy like Buttigieg could be president of the United States is if he's running against Donald Trump. That's it. Uh, any other normal candidate, knock him out right away. And for all I know, Trump would knock him out, right, just a different way. Um, so that's one, right? The, the second thing is I've been thinking about this, this, you know, and I want to remind our listeners before you get into it, you predicted that he will announce he will not run again after he gets slaughtered in the midterm. In the midterms. Yeah. And I think Sometime that time between. Yeah. After the, the holidays and the beginning of the next And that term. gives everybody, gives them a year to mount up before right. Iowa. That's plenty of time. If you can't mount up a campaign in a year, you, you probably should get a different line of work. The other thing that struck me about, um, so, so I was writing my monthly note, um, which, you know, if you want to, you can let me know and I'll put you on a list. Um, 
I went back and looked at the exit polling in 2020, right? Uh, I wasn't looking for women or African-Americans or Hispanics or suburbanites or any of that stuff. I was looking specifically for one question, which <coughs> which happily was there. It's like, hey, was your vote mostly for your guy or against the other guy? 68% of Biden voters identified themselves, identified themselves. They were willingly, they willingly identified themselves as mostly voting against Trump, not for Biden, which explains a lot about Mr. Biden and why he is a failing president who is destined to fail. Because in the big scheme of life, only about 27 million people voted for him compared to almost 75 million who voted for the boss. And then the 56 million who voted who, against the boss. 55 million who voted against yeah. the boss. It, it, if you were running a three candidate race, it would be Trump, not Trump, and Biden. And Biden would be like so way down at the bottom. Trump really did get way more votes than Biden. In a way, yeah. If you put it that way. <laughs> and it also reminds me of the Howard Stern phenomenon. Yeah. Right? Like when he was, you know, ascending, yeah. his ratings were through the roof because half the people listened every single day to hear what he was going to say next, who loved him. Yeah. And half the people who listened every single day wanted to hear what he was going to say next. Yeah. Because they, they hated him. Because they hated him. They, didn't, they were ready for the next outrage that they could protest. So very similar, two guys from New York. Yeah, yeah. Brash. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, that whole, that whole persona. I, you know, I, 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 I know somebody else from New York who's sort of like that, who polarizes people. Um <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to start speaking to yourself in, like, the third, in, in the first person? Mike McKenna. Anyway. Um, uh, Mike the, McKenna. The, the, it, it's a thought I'm having about, about – and I'm going to write about this is – that, is, that, is that Biden is more like Jimmy Carter than a lot of people like to think, right? He's a president. If you think about Jimmy Carter, he was president mostly because he wasn't a Republican in the wake of Watergate, right? Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you went back and look at exit polls in 1976, I'm, I predict, I bet you 60% of the people who voted for Carter were actually voting against Republicans, not for him. He has no base. There's nothing there. And he's not very good at it either, right? It would be one thing if he had no base but was good at it. But he has no base. He's not good at it. Like, like Carter wasn't good at it. And events are clearly overwhelming the ability of the of the entire administration to respond. In in Carter's case, does he have a bottom? Biden in his polling, like, Biden. is it just going to keep going down or what? Like, yeah, where does so, he hit rock? Yeah, where, where's so rock bottom? Thirty three percent. That's the sort of the working bottom on everybody in politics, right? Is 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 um, at any given moment, thirty three percent of the people will say they're in favor of you just because you're wearing their team colors, right? And how much? Uh, but how but, much more is the media going to sort of wash over all of this? They're going to give him another year, and then they're going to pay attention to the campaign. I, I, I called Pete Biden way back in I April, know, and I'm, I know. I'm, I'm, I'm We're still there. By. We're still there. I will say but, this though: if they get this but, bill over the finish line, it will be a, it will be on Mansion. Oh sure, it won't be a Biden uh, victory. It'll no. be Mansion basically right. being Mansion. That's right. Right, and, and every West Virginia voter should remember that he, that he owns whatever they vote, whatever they want to vote on. It's bad for a bunch of different reasons, but mostly because, like Carter, I don't think he's capable of being president, but I don't think there's a good answer out there. The difference with Carter is he could have resigned, and Fritz Mondale, who I'm not a huge fan of, but he was competent, right? He could be president. Yeah, another senator. Though. Our current vice president is incapable of being president. You know, we have 
this is really bad. And, and I think our adversaries around the planet are going to be looking at this. You know, the economy I worry about, but I really worry about just they sense weakness. And the funny thing is, is but we're back, Mike. We're back. America's back. <laughs> blah, 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 beep, blah, blah, beep, blah, blah, One blah, of the blah. comments to Brett Stevens' thing was, well, you know, that would just telegraph to the Russians and the Chinese and the Iranians weakness on the part of the American president. How much weaker <laughs> like, are you kidding projection me? can there be? We, <laughs> we rehashed his Ukraine strategy, which was to <laughs> taketh away the pipeline that he giveth. It, it, it. Biden, Carter. The, the parallels are just. Are, See, are, that works for us old around. people. But I, you know, no, I don't it, think it, enough people know about Jimmy Carter you know, no, to, I, I, to, I, I, to, for it to, to stick, if you will. No, so. I get it. Totally. Well, look, the, 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 the record's going to be the record, right? At the end of a couple of, at the end of a couple more years of this, he's, he's going to be difficult to reelect. Anyway, next. Um, what do you have? I've got a CNN Cuomo update and it's sobering and it's disgusting. Let's have it. All right. First, I want to do the, the less sobering and disgusting. Andrew Cuomo orders is from New York Post. Andrew Cuomo ordered to return 5.1 pandemic book profits yes, to the state. Like, yeah. They're just twisted and twisted and twisted. Yeah. Like these two brothers are like they're in a storm right now. It's they're in fun. a storm. It's fun. Well, come on. That family, that family I, I has have, uh, that family I'm a has Christian, I'm a God-fearing Catholic. I I don't I, I don't feel sorry. That two. family They've done so much damage. The two of them and, and but their, mostly and their dad? the governor, right? His dad. They 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 ran over New Yorkers every day. That family, yeah. Mario, Chris, yep. Andrew, they deserve almost everything they get. So, I, um, this is the part that yeah. s- sickens me and disgusts me, and I'm bringing it up because it's not getting going to get covered. Yeah, there's a gentleman by the name of John Griffin who's a senior producer at CNN. Yeah. And he, his is byline. Lead anchor, senior producer, CNN New Day, works shoulder to shoulder with lead anchor Chris Cuomo, mm-hmm. seeing him through each show and producing live breaking news across the country and around the world. Okay, so he's the showrunner for, for Cuomo's show. He's the showrunner. And they're running buddies, apparently. They've got a lot of uh, tweets together where they're clowning around, et cetera, et cetera. I want to read a, an excerpt from this. Connecticut man indicted for attempting to induce minors to engage in unlawful sexual activity at Ludlow residence. That's Griffin. That's Griffin. I didn't put that together. That is Cuomo's Uh, senior producer. According to the indictment, Griffin utilized the messaging applications Kick and Google Hangouts to communicate with people purporting to be parents of minor daughters, conveying to them among their ideas that a woman is a woman regardless of her age. Griffin sought to persuade parents to allow him to train their daughters to be sexually submissive. In June 20 of 2020, Griffin advised a mother of nine and 13-year-old daughters that the mother's responsibility was to see that her older daughter was quote-unquote trained properly and later transferred over $3,000 to the mother for plane tickets so the mother and her nine-year-old could fly from Nevada to Boston the mother and child flew to Boston in July, where Griffin picked them up in his Tesla and drove them to his Ludlow ski house. At the house, the daughter was directed to, and I'm not going to finish yeah, what she don't. was directed please to. Please don't. And this is a tweet from jo- John Griffin back way back in 2010. 
Just did the math. We have, count them, four stories about people abusing kids today. Three up now. If we're society's mirror, you people suck. Wow. That's bad. CNN. Um, I'm kind of surprised they didn't uh, indefinitely um, suspend him first. I guess there are some thresholds at CNN. Yeah, Even right, CNN. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So maybe we should say good for CNN. Uh, they, they did something right finally. So, what's the difference between CNN and the Titanic? Oh, boy. The Titanic has all, had all its anchors when it sank. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. But that, on that happy note. Yeah, I'm sorry. I just, a, a friend of the show brought it, uh, brought it to my attention and r- rightly so did not get any attention. No, and I, I just never, wanted. Our, no, our I never put that. Never put it together. Never put it who, together. Who that person was? It makes perfect so. sense, I suppose. Birds of a feather. Yeah. All right. You got anything lighter? Uh, I don't. I don't have any. I think I'm. I think I'm. I'm. I'm, I'm Are we spent here? Okay. I want to give a shout out to Glenn Youngkin, gov- governor elect Glenn yeah. Youngkin, who uh, announced he will be withdrawing Virginia from the regional greenhouse gas initiative. His quote, Reggie, is a bad deal for Virginians and Virginia businesses. I promise to lower the cost of living on day one, and withdrawing from Reggie is just the beginning. So off to a good start for the governor-elect. Yeah, um, I'm kind of getting a little concerned about his pace of appointments right now. I know he's interviewing cabinet secretary um, people right now. and I know he's offered, he's made some offers. I don't know if any offers have been accepted. I know a couple have been turned down. Um, everyone, I know you're thinking, ah, it's plenty of time, plenty of time, plenty of time. The inauguration's January 15th, right? The tradition in the Commonwealth is you sort of name your cabinet prior to inauguration so they can sit with you, right? Um, we're, we're starting to click on a time. Um, you know, you're going to lose a week at Christmas no matter what you do. Um, it, it, it bears some watching. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty yeah, confident. One he's, term, one and done in Virginia, folks. I'm pretty so, confident. Well, and you I was move fast. You know, in fairness, I was worried about this. <clears throat> I was worried about this when um, when the transition teams were announced, right? Because they 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 shared no thematic together, right? It was sort of a hodgepodge. Um, so I wondered about this. We'll probably know in the next week or so how bad a problem is, but how bad the problem. How how how. Um, whether he's whether the administration's going to be in a bit of a, a hole right out of the gate or not, I, I have confidence he's not. But I'm starting to get a little edgy. It's been a a month and a half, no, a month and a half. It's been a month and ten days since the election. We're still tick tick ticking, right? Yeah. So, and we we are less than a month from inauguration, January fifteenth. Everybody, come on down to Richmond. Um, you can always get tickets. They 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 fire off the cannons in Capitol Square. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. I think they fire him off in the direction of uh, Maryland. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, continued record prices in energy in Europe, and we're what 15 days into the into the winter. We're not in at all into the winter. We're six days away from the winter solstice, right? So, uh, yeah, great big giant prices uh, price increases in electricity, right? Um, it, it's going to be a really tough year in Europe. In Europe, there's no sort of there's no sort of way around it. The other thing that struck me, I'm sorry, you want to go no, on? No, no, keep. The only other thing that struck me was Boston, the ISO, the independent system operator who runs the electric grid in, in New England. ISO New England said last week 
in a, in a um, presentation to FERC that, hey, we're going to be okay this winter with respect to reliability if it's a mild winter. <laughs> <laughs> and I just remember I was sitting there listening to it like, wait, wait what? What if it's not? I'm, I, they, they, they left unsaid the rest of that sentence, hey, or the rest of the paragraph. If it's not a mild winter, if it's a tough winter, well, then you guys are going to be on your own. Yeah. And that seems to be where the Europeans are, right? The UK, they, they had power prices uh, – Continue to break records every yeah. What every are they? Day they're going like forward. they're like three hundred quid or forty two shillings or some Dude. fake the currency denomination. Today they they surged to four hundred and eleven dollars per megawatt hour. Oh, you already translated into dollars. That's yes. no. I'd like prefer with pounds. pounds. Sorry, four hundred eleven. Four hundred eleven. Four eleven pounds. That's so, like yeah, that's like so what? Double that. It's a buck eighty seven. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Seven thousand dollars. What so, is it? But you know we gotta do we gotta we gotta build back better for for the climate. So the um, the greatest thing about it and what you want to watch is what are Germany's, especially Germany, what are Germany's emissions in 2020 and 2021 and 2022? Well, they're, be, they're burning oil in Europe. Exactly. They're, 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 they're pulling they're, out their- They're pulling up old, that's right. they're, mo- you know, mothballed oil. Hell, they're burn. burning oil in California. Right. So I'm really curious to see what the, what the emissions are. Last year, this year, next year in Germany, I'll bet you they're higher than they were in 2019. And by the way, none of the the inputs to the the, uh, the products that are used to make lithium batteries and all the other stuff that's necessary for the storage, the battery yeah. backup store, these are all these are not immune from these higher these rising prices. No, no, no. lithium lithium lithium's up like ten or fifteen percent this year, and uh, one of them, not cobalt, one of the other ones is up, you know, like. Two hundred percent, four hundred percent. Comedy of errors, the whole it, entire thing. It's so. it's um, keep saying to yourself, "This is going to work. This is yeah. going to work." We you know we 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 got a bunch we had a bunch of guys who are sociology majors making energy decisions, and it's yeah. going to be okay. All right, um, I'm I'm done. I'm out of I'm out. Are we doing this next week? We're doing this next week. Yes, we are. So we can wait yes, our Christmas wishes till then. Yep, absolutely. Just everybody remember ten days shopping days. Um, if you're significant other tells you that she doesn't want something it's a lie (laughs) all right we're going to close with a nice little uh trip down memory lane inflation is our friend (laughs) for example consider this in the year 2000 if current trends continue the average blue collar annual wage in this country will be five hundred and sixty eight thousand dollars think what this inflated world of the future will mean most Americans will be millionaires. Everyone will feel like a big shot. Wouldn't you like to own a $4,000 suit and smoke a $75 cigar, drive a $600,000 car? I know I would. But what about people on fixed incomes? They have always been the true victims of inflation. That's why I will present to Congress the Inflation Maintenance Program whereby the U.S. Treasury will make up any inflation cost losses through direct tax rebates to the public in cash. Now, you may say, won't that cost a lot of money? Won't that increase the deficit? Sure it will. (laughs) But so what? We'll just print more money. (laughs) We have the papers, we have the mints. I can just call up the Bureau of Engraving and say, Hi, this is Jimma. Roll off some of them 20s. Print up a couple of thousand sheets of those century notes. Sure, the glut of dollars will cause even more inflation, but who cares? Everybody will be a millionaire. 
Dan Aykroyd. President Jimmy Carter, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you, Dan Aykroyd, for that trip down memory lane. Yeah, would, oh, so relevant today as it was back then. Would, would a Saturday Live audience today laugh? Would they no, even understand any so. of it? No, no. <laughs> Too woke these days. All right, All right everybody. We're Merry, off to lunch. Merry Christmas and namaste. Hey!